This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hey there, disaster divas. We have returned. We are back. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we are here. We, you know, this week's a real zag. Yeah. This week, we are breaking the form a little bit. We are doing something a little bit different because we were taken. We like to allow for surprises. And this was and quite we let a surprises. Surprise. Yes, we let surprises in the door. Yeah. This time around. Amanda, tell us how so, we ended up at this movie today. So gang, we were going to do Nuclear Hurricane. Great plan. Awesome plan. Great a hurricane plan. Going through a nuclear power plant. What's not to love? Yeah. And then I turned on TV, Tubi, whatever it's called. The TV with Tubi. <laughs> so the TV. Tubi is TV. Tubi on my TV, the TV. And uh, this, when I searched on, on Apple for for nuclear hurricane, Meltdown came up. And I was like, huh, okay, cool. I guess that's like an alternate name. And it took me about 10 minutes of watching this movie to realize this was not, in fact, nuclear hurricane, but was an, a totally different and equally uh-huh. wonderful surprise. We are watching today the film Meltdown from 2009. Which, Which, like, the name Meltdown makes more sense for this movie than Nuclear Hurricane would at all. Yes. But it still doesn't make, like, a ton of sense. It has this this show, movie, whatever, has nothing to do with any meltdowns. There are no, no. meltdowns that occur in this film. And definitely no nuclear hurricanes. No, it is, in fact, a sort of let's get the gang together and make a movie action yeah. thriller. Yeah. Um, this is not a disaster movie, you guys. Not even remotely. No. Surprise. So if you want to pause the pod and go watch yourself some Meltdown on Tubi, I strongly recommend it because everything that we say going forward is not going to make sense unless you watch this movie because you have to watch this movie to understand this movie. It is. I The biggest name in this movie is, is it Joe? Joe Estevez. Joe Estevez. Who sounds exactly like Martin Sheen. Oh my God. God, he sounds like his it's brother. Wow. Uncanny. Like, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, they don't sound no. alike. You're not going to mistake the two of those. When Joe Estevez opened his mouth and Martin Sheen's voice came out, I was startled. It is so confusing. How, how Joe Estevez hasn't made a very full career off of doing, like, voiceover work where they can't afford Martin Sheen? It's like how Tom Hanks' brother kind of, like, he does like voiceover work and stuff. Like I think he's done like Woody and like video game oh kinds my God. of things. Like, yeah, like he kind of does like some uh, totally authorized, but like shadow Tom Hanks. That's stuff. amazing. If I had, if I were a famous person and I had a oh like Rita Ora's sister also supposedly does a lot of like her her interviews and stuff because they sound so much alike. Do you mean Rita Ora or is this another? No, Rita? I mean Rita Ora, like the singer. Wow, singer Rita Ora. Rita Ora. See, I just have to make sure, not because of, it. it, there was a double reason to ask because of your face name blindness, but also because you just never know where Rita Ora is going to show up. So it was like, wait a minute. I meant Rita Ora. Do we mean Rita Ora? There's no one else that I mean in this world. Like, there, I don't know. Co-star of Fifty Shades Darker, Rita Ora. You know, international (laughs) superstar, Rita Ora. Treasure of Albania, Rita Ora. You know she's on a postage stamp there. In yes, I see. This is what the important stuff that I learned from listening to Who Weekly is. She better revel in it before Dua Lipa kicks her ass off that post. I don't stamp. think that Dua Lipa. Do, honestly, Dua Lipa doesn't have the range. Are you saying Rita Ora has greater range than Dua Lipa? I don't Dua see Lipa? Dua Lipa hosting a mass singer down in Australia, <laughs> traveling across, that's, or that's in true. the UK. Sorry, mass singer in the UK, <clears throat> drag race in Australia. While also traveling Rita, around the world just, like, being hot? Dua Lipa wishes. I have to, like, Dua Lipa might be Ryan Seacrest. Like, Dua Lipa, I feel like that might be sort of, like, the pinnacle of her is Ryan being Ryan Seacrest. Because, like, my great, like, I won't keep on this for long, but, like, m- the thing I admire Rita Ora for most is her yes. endurance. Her staying power. 
Rita Ora refuses to go quietly into the good night. Rita Ora refuses to slip into obsolescence. And just when you think she has, boom, she's Rita back. Ora has somewhere, ascended. Somewhere, even, doing something. Rita Ora has climbed maybe up it's a, Maybe it's an Adidas campaign. Maybe it's apparently fucking Australian yeah. drag race. Like, Rita Ora will not be kept in the no, corner. No, no, no. Rita Ora has more hustle in her pinky than any of us have in our entire bodies. She's yeah. pure hustle. She's pure hustle. She's like, I won't like critique any of like, but like, hey, she's a good enough singer. Like she's she's doing enough of everything while being extremely yeah. hot, which is what keeps those lights on. Uh, her her survival instincts are incredible. Yeah. Now, Rita yeah. Ora is, I don't, I couldn't tell you a Rita Ora song. I don't 100% know I could pick Rita Ora out of a lineup, but I do know right. that when like the nuclear fallout settles Rita Ora will be the one person remaining who's going to be like Rita Ora will be around, around. I, a, I completely showing, believe that you know flaunting her toned legs as the Daily Mail would like to say <laughs> <laughs> well I think I, I you know I guess every happiness to her and Taika Waititi but I think that's doing a lot for her I, I, I don't know I think she's um, I think she's raising Taika's star if anything I think you have a beautifully generous view of Rita Ora. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love I love you for Rita Ora. I just I, I just think that, you know, in terms of like visibility In terms of who has an yeah, Oscar. No, fair. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying he's, she's I the love more this. successful one. I am saying mm. she is the one who is getting at this point getting him jobs he would not otherwise get. They co-hosted like the European Music Awards. Hey. I'll give that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I What a fascinating reciprocity. I, I mean, that I'm is. thrilled for both of them. I may we all find the kind of love that one can only find in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. And and in a polymath Rita Ora. Just I find her fascinating. <laughs> anyway, but this is exactly the kind of conversation that should derail an episode yeah. about Meltdown. Meltdown. We, because yes. So going back to the original point, Joe Estevez what Every single time he spoke, it was still like it was yeah. jarring because it was every, every time it never got no. normal, never got used because to he, it. He does. I mean, he looks he actually looks more <laughs> like he's related to Charlie and Emilio than Martin Sheen does. Like, yeah, he looked. Yeah, he looks a lot like a, he looks a lot like Emilio and somehow strangely like Charlie yeah. as well. It's very it, it's 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 what a combination. It's really interesting. He, and he does. But then his voice is Martin Sheen. And then he's in this movie. And it's a really mm-hmm. confusing combination of things. But somehow he is overshadowed in his acting. He is. By so much else in this film. It's really like this movie is um this is like a crime. This is a crime movie that is really hearkening back to 90s yeah. like LA crime. Like that's what like this movie feels like. Uh, I've been bringing it up a lot lately. Like, but it feels like it. It's playing in the sandbox of like your showdown in Little Tokyo, your your rising sun. Like, think of think of sort of like the lowest tier Wesley Snipes movie, and the lowest tier JCVD kind of stuff, and then make it really DIY. Yeah. And like that's like what we're we're kind of going and and it just. The fact getting the reason I feel like it's it's important that we talk about this movie is yes does it have anything to do with our subject matter no but we thought it did and it is so hard to get anything made and these people made a yeah. movie and I think that's great I think that's great for them and you know what it could have been it could have been worse that's the thing so like yes when you watch this movie there is absolutely an entry level of it that you're like this is I mean it's guys objectively no, this is not a quality film. Yeah. I no. don't care. This is I don't care. It was one wildly entertaining. It was, it was very, very entertaining. entertaining. It has surprisingly good performances and once you settle into the weirdness of the world that comes from the casting choices that are made that we will get into, yeah. it just kind of mm-hmm. works. And there was a degree to which like Jordan you cited, you know, early 90s for me, especially like that opening sequence where they have there's a oh, fed yeah. informant he gets put in a car and they blow the car up in a junkyard. And they fully blow, they yeah, blow, they up, blow a up a car. There is, they blow up a car yeah, in this which movie. Is, like, we almost covered Velocipaster. And <laughs> yeah. as, I, as soon as there was a moment in the opening of Velocipaster where, like, the parents are supposed to have their car blown up 
and they very clearly just set a matchbox car on fire and say something yeah. along the lines of like, <coughs> you know, and then there's like a VFX insert here that they leave in and it's very clearly supposed to be like rinky right. dink. And I'm just like, no, you know what? Yeah. Put the effort in. Blow up a fucking car. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a movie that's going to be low budget and going to be shitty, don't lean into the low budget shittiness. Try to rise above yeah. it. And this movie yeah. really fucking tries. Um, it does. It's on. It is trying yeah. the entire yeah. time. And so that opening sequence to me was just straight Miami Vice. Everything about the way it was shot, everything about the way the aesthetics of it, the the henchmen, yeah, you can see where it's you coming from. You can totally from. see the the Miami Vice that this this was a movie made by a man named Christopher J. Martin who wrote it, who directed it, who starred in it, who also did the music for it. Yeah, real Christopher <laughs> yeah. had had a vision and he pursued it. But you can definitely see like the parts of it where you could just see him being like, yeah, I am Sonny Crockett. Like that's just yeah, his whole <laughs> yeah. vibe in his hair is surfer, dude. He just, from start to finish, yes, it is it is a Miami Vice episode of weirdness, and I love it. I I mean, and it, sorry, go ahead. No, I just want to say my my highlight of this mm-hmm. movie, my highlight of this movie, is Robert Zadar. Robert Zadar plays Crazy, Crazy Eddie. Eddie. I'm so glad that we're just getting right into Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie is is like a is a big bad in this movie. And I'm on Robert Zadar, he was a there is probably he is the exact kind of actor that a quadrant of film Twitter that's constantly telling you how trauma films are really good. They've probably seen all of his movies. Like this is this is a kind of actor that a kind of black t-shirt bro lives to tell you he's one of the best actors that's ever lived that no one's ever heard of. Um, and whether or not that's true, I'm not going to weigh in. But this guy, he is the most incredible, specific, amazing face. I'm on. I gotta read his IMDb intro right now. Just little yeah. parts of it, because this this guy is he's he's big. He's a fucking big guy, and he is he looks like a he looks like a gangster straight out of Dick Tracy, but just looks yeah, that way. Yeah, he has he like, had a he had some sort of a, a genetic disorder that caused his jaw to. Be like when we say square jaw, he it is quite he has yeah. the Squidward jaw, um, which just gives him a phenomenal face for acting. Face yeah. like he he's incredible looking, and he we we have here caught the acting bug while attending Proviso West High School in Hillsdale. He received a BFA from Arizona State. Prior to acting, Zadar was a singer, keyboardist, guitar player for the Chicago-based rock band Nova Express, which performed as an opening act for such groups as Jefferson Airplane, The Who, and The Electric Prunes. Fine, we're coming down the end here. Other early jobs included a jingle writer for the Leo Burnett and J. Walter Thompson ad agencies, a Chicago police officer, and even a brief stint as a Chippendales dancer. His known for films are... Tango and Cash, where he played the character of Face. Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. His character's name was Matt Cordell. And also Samurai Cop, in which he played Yamashita. And this guy, let me tell you something. This guy, he is built for this kind of cinema, and he is perfect. He's just, like, I didn't realize. So one thing that you have to understand about as you're watching this movie is that you really early on get the sense that everyone except for Joe Estevez is just Christopher's dad's friend. So yeah, I, yeah, totally. Like they're all just some guy. The, completely. So I had no idea that he, Crazy Eddie, was a real actor. So as I think soon he as might be the only, him and, like, I guess Joe Estevez, like, they're probably yeah. the only two. Yeah. They're so probably, like, as, whatever dollars this movie had was went to them. These guys were the dollars. These guys were, however, they were like, we need a check for $15,000. We have Robert Zadar. And someone was like, I'll pay for Robert Zadar. Like, that's what that's what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, if you actually, once you look through everybody else, there's just everyone, no one else even has a photo next to their name on IMDb. Yeah, That's and, what and we're Robert Zadar has over 100 credits. Like, yeah. this guy, like, from the early 80s up till his uh, his death, um, it looks like, I think in, like, the mid-10s, he was working. This guy was fucking working. And good for him. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else in this film, you're just like, oh, okay, you just asked friends. Which, 
no again not a criticism it totally somehow works because of how specifically weird this movie becomes because of it if someone was like i'm gonna make a feature come hell or high fucking water jordan and you are the only actor you and people like you that i know are the actors i can afford i'd be like we're doing it can't wait I've made a couple of, you know, I, I did Dunhaming and I did uh, the fake the fake Siri ad. And both of those are just like, hey, guys, I have written a thing and I need humans I, in it. So that's it. I'm just going to recruit friends. And that's what I forced. And my shitty acting and my friend's shitty acting. And that's just what we did because that's what you have to do. Yep. And the difference is, is that I didn't have Joe Estevez. Nope, you didn't have Joe Estevez. Yeah. Uh, let's, I will, let's take a moment to just say the summary of what this movie is. I'll just it, read again. Pull from IMDb. Please read it. Meltdown is an action-adventure film about an FBI agent who goes deep undercover to bring down a crime syndicate. When his cover is blown, the mob and FBI want him dead. His only hope for survival is a female agent who is willing to break the rules and save his life. Outnumbered and outgunned, it is a deadly fight to the finish. Yeah, um, I will be honest. I couldn't have told you what the plot of this movie was when I watched it beyond... Mm -hmm. Guys in deep cover, and um, yep. also then he needs to not be in deep cover anymore. Like it's, it is truly. This is one of those times where you just go along for the ride, and the story doesn't really matter because yeah. nothing. The interesting thing is that the least interesting part of this movie is everything about the main character. Yeah, and let's like aesthetically. This is from I think it's two thousand and nine, and let's yes. just tee up that like this guy. It's like the look is like Ryan Hansen. Yeah. First iteration Veronica Mars, but like 15 to 20 years older than that Ryan Hansen. Like Ryan yeah. Hansen's like the movie star kind of version of that. And this is like normal guy. This normal is guy a doing guy that bleached with hair, that hair mop thing. And yeah, like this is a man who wears bracelets, even though he's in the, he's apparently the FBI and also like one of the top soldiers of all time. Yeah, this guy, this guy is, and he's of course he's an elite agent. He's yes. the only one who can do this deep cover job. They bring him in, and like when I say like before, like how it's like '90s style like cop movie. It's like let's make boobed jokes and. Like, let's be Ugh. brash cop guys. Like, it's doing that whole when, thing. When the when the head cop, who I don't know, like the head FBI agent, sends them off with, so get a good night's rest, get a piece of ass, and be ready. Yeah, exactly. Just, it's like, that thing. Yeah, and he says it, and the way he says it is like he's a doctor rattling off instructions of like, well, you know, what you really <laughs> need to do is you need to start eating healthier, get a couple walks in every day. Yeah. Like, he's rattling off it. There's no real, like, grit and glory to it. It's really instructional. Yeah. Um, and, you know, which kind of worked for the whole vibe of this. Yeah, it was exactly the vibe of the movie. Yeah. Um, his, the the lady agent uh, the, who mm. the super cop is involved with, she has to be the one who has to, like, kind of help. But, like, at one point, they, like, have a spot that they meet up at regularly. And, like, this guy is under fucking cover He's in a criminal organization. cover and they're having a coffee date. And they're having, co- and, and he also, like, they're literally, like, she's, like, trying to set up another coffee date and he's, like, She's like, our usual spot? He's like, it's probably good if we don't see each other for a while. And she's like, wow. Wow. It's like, ma'am. Yeah. Ma'am. Categorically, you cannot see this person right now. Right now, the person you know doesn't exist because they are undercover as an entirely different person. You cannot see. It's like, hey, guys. Like, that was, I didn't like that part of it because it was like, listen, writers, You've watched fucking cop. You put a cop in a cop movie. She knows she can't do this. Don't make her an idiot girl. Like, knock it up. This is just dumb. This is dumb. No Nick Nolte joint from the 90s would have reasonably been doing this. So you shouldn't do it either. You're just making her look like a sad bimbo. Well, yeah. And I I say that with all due respect for bimbos. (laughs) The reality index aspect of their relationship just, you, I had to tap out on that. Oh, yeah. The inferior, like. I can let a lot of things go. I can let mm. go the fact that this cop undercover just shows up and just starts killing people. Just killing. Which just I killing Google, people. <laughs> like during a routine, they do like a, a pawn shop robbery and he just fully shoots the pawn shop guy in the chest. And I had yep. to Google and be like, are you allowed to commit serious <laughs> crimes? Like, Are you allowed to commit murder if you're under deep cover? And you are not. Well, that's um, always like that's always like that's a, that's a tension so often you see in undercover right. kind of movies where like a bunch of people are dying and then you have the undercover person who's like 
trying not to kill people while also seeming like they're totally down for everything that's happening because they're yes. not supposed to just be here murdering. So no, that is not the the rules apparently for being an undercover cop in this world like are probably actually let's be real, more similar to real life, which is like honestly you're not supposed to kill someone, but like if you have to yeah, kill Yeah, that like the system you know. exists for you to kill people with impunity with yeah. qualified immunity. Yeah, but no, he he really just like Christopher's character just dives straight into the whole like, well, I mean, if I'm here, when in Rome, shoot him in the chest. Yeah. And um, so like in terms of reality index, the the cop, him and the cop lady just not understanding that like, oh, no, if you're under deep cover, you can't go on coffee dates with the with the cop. No, no, you can't. You're going to be followed by somebody. You can't go on coffee dates with the cop. Ma'am, you're going to get him and in all likelihood yourself killed. Yeah, like everyone, everyone in this situation is making poor choices. The fact that like Crazy Eddie follows him and yeah. sees that he's out with a cop lady, and mm-hmm. for some reason Crazy Eddie's like, no, he's he's screwing around with a cop lady, and he yeah, like Crazy this Eddie's new guy really giving him the benefit of the doubt, and yeah. Crazy Eddie's the kind of guy who'll just shoot somebody for fun, like yeah. who he absolutely does not have to kill. Crazy Eddie will just kill them, and you know, crazy like I think the best part of this entire movie. I don't remember the quote exactly. I just remember how it ends. Like, he's, like, sending his henchmen out. Either, like, I think, like, before a job. Uh And he's, like, do X, do Y, do Z, and I love you all. Yeah. At one point. And not in a sarcastic way. In a way that he's, like, you're my children and I love you all. Yeah. Crazy Eddie is the heart, the beating heart of this movie because he is. He's a sentimental kind of guy. When we, there's a moment where we see Crazy Eddie and he is playing the piano. Yep. And there's just two babes sitting on top of the piano. And I guess we're supposed to infer that he is fucking both of the babes. Yeah, that like but he's got truly, women. Yeah, but it's truly just like, <laughs> nope, Crazy Eddie's playing a tune and these these bodacious ladies are just yep. hanging out enjoying and he doesn't, he's happy to play. You feel a sense that like the biggest, the biggest setback for Eddie in the movie is like that this person he trusted betrayed him yeah yeah. and he's pissed about that he's upset about that he was wronged by somebody he believed in and that makes Eddie very sad and upset and Eddie doesn't deserve that Eddie's done nothing but trust no Eddie has given this guy every opportunity actually yeah I just found the quote I need a moment would you please leave and I love you would you mo I need a moment moment. would Would you you please please leave leave? please he sends, and yeah, I he sends love off you. like one of the henchmen he sends off at this moment. And this I is think, like pretty far into the movie. Like, yeah, this it's, is, I think when Crazy Eddie finds out that it's after the coffee date and they've been tailed. And of course, they hug on the street because like who doesn't hug <laughs> their cop co-worker when they're under deep cover? Yeah. In the middle of the street. Yeah. And I think it's after that and he's just found Crazy Eddie has just found out he's been betrayed. And that's how he handles it. As opposed to most gangsters who would probably just like shoot the messenger. Crazy Eddie sends him off with love. I need a moment. Please leave. I love you all. I love I mean That's just incredible. And coming from the visage of Robert Zadar, it's remarkable to see. Like the the lack of the unself consciousness of that line of dialogue. Yeah. Is like, yeah, meltdown. Give me this sincere moment of reckoning. Yeah. A crazy Eddie was the most fully developed character in this movie. 100%. Entirely, be- and I, I have to assume, entirely because of Robert Zadar's choices to just play him straight. This guy's the pro. This guy yeah. knows exactly. I would imagine Robert Zadar is the kind of actor where, like, he knows exactly what you fucking hired him for, and he's going to deliver on that. Like, he's probably got a thing, he's probably got a signature. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to show up and do my thing that Robert Zadar gets hired for. Nobody can do that but me. I'm the master of it. Yeah. And he does have that quiet menace. He does like he hits all the things you're expecting him to hit. But then there is this like those moments where he says things like, I need a moment. Would you please leave? And I love you. And I don't know if that was improvised. And I don't know if that was something that Christopher wrote. I I kind of feel like it couldn't have been something. That's actually not true. Because the thing is, is that so much of this movie in terms of the writing is so uh, unexpected is the nice it, way to it, put Unexpected. It, absolutely unexpected. That I don't know. Maybe that's true. Like later in the movie, he works a, a Simpsons quote into it. Yep. He, he Fold faster than Superman on laundry day is a thing that one of the characters says. And that, it, is, a, that is straight up just because I was like, wow, that's a really funny line. Then I Googled it and I was like, knew it couldn't have come from the script itself. 
and it, like the Simpsons quote. What a phenomenal thing about the Simpsons, just because it's just been around for yeah. like a, like a generations at this point. A Simpsons reference doesn't date something. No, could have been from any time. And it also like it does feel. Whoever I don't remember who says it, but whoever says it <laughs> feels it feels authentic enough that you're like, yeah, that's a line. That's a normal yeah. line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a uh, crazy Eddie. Plot, I, plot wise, it is important to note. That the uh, the head honcho, I guess federal officers who send our top cop out into um, out into the deep cover, they're in on it. They're not good guys. They're yes. like they're the they're the they're the inside job bad guys. Um, so of course, when the reckoning comes and our super cop has to triumph, he's not only up against the henchmen, he's up against his own. Yeah, he's up against the feds, and he's up against. And all he's dead. got is his lady. And mm-hmm. who is an agent? Uh, and his, they've got to do this and together. Some squibs. Yep, yep. <laughs> and they 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 used those squibs. They were yeah. like, "Listen, we've got priorities here, and this is one of them, man." Yeah. And again, you know, in terms of the effects, they went for it. Yes, if you yes. look closely on the shirts, you can see where the marking is for where the squib is going to be. Yeah. Again, don't care. There is an entire shootout sequence in a in a junkyard. Yeah. Everyone. And by the <clears> way, in the so. What we haven't quite touched upon, but we've mentioned, is that every actor seems to be somebody's dad's friend. And when I say yeah. that, I mean that because every everybody in, including the the superior to Crazy Eddie, mm-hmm. the dragon. That's you know, right, the, the dragon, is, the dragon. The I'm forgetting, I mean, Crazy Eddie's so great, I forgot all about the dragon. Yeah, you could forget about dragon, except that the thing you need to know about dragon is that dragon, drop any... Whatever mental image you had of a man named dragon, yeah. I want you to replace that with a guy who would play an insurance company owner yeah. in a commercial. Yeah. It is a white guy in his 60s <laughs> who <laughs> might be wearing golfing clothes the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single person in his syndicate mm-hmm. is also a middle-aged to early boomer white guy yeah at one point in the junkyard shootout one of the guys is wearing a sweater vest yeah it's the only time on film that anybody's ever worn a sweater vest while carrying an ak and i love it love that ever like they these guys all just showed up in their outfits they Mm -hmm. didn't get costuming no none of them were doing they all every it, it looks like a suburban drug ring in the best way like in the sense of Somebody got recruited everybody from their country club to just be yeah. on this, and we're all gonna drug run now. I and and, and I like too that like uh, this movie really gives us like it's going for its tropes of its kind of antecedent yeah. films that we've talked about, including the like scary lady henchwoman. Oh my god! With like the imposing shaved head. Yes, the who also lady just looks henchman. like could be a teacher, could be your yeah. kid's teacher, but like is styled to be like that silent assassin in Die Hard Three with the ven like. Die Hard 3 uh, with a vengeance. Die Hard with a vengeance. That's the third one. Or like, you know, like a Red Sonia type, like here's the bad bitch kind yeah. of kind of character. Yeah. And you don't really get a good sense of what that bad bitch is capable of. No. But you do know she's tall. <clears throat> she's tall. She's, she's tall. Imposing. Oh, and she does. There is at one point I, I had texted you about this, Jordan, that the guy, one of the great things um so as they're the, we're, when we first meet Dragon at the beginning of the movie, he's in his like we're in his sort of uh, I, what drug packing plant. <laughs> yeah. I don't sure. know. I don't know if that's like is that what you would call it? Let's just like it's where they're they're sending out their drugs. Mm-hmm. And one of them is wearing. God, I wish I could find the the text I sent you cause when I when this started. <laughs> and I was like Jordan, I don't understand, but it's amazing. Right. And like. One of the guys is wearing, like, just a logo shirt. I yeah. mean, they are really just, everyone is just kind of dressing in what they happen to have that day. But she does, Lady Lady Assassin does kill one of those guys just to show that she's lethal. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and just to show that Dragon is a man who, you know, on, on edge. <laughs> man on edge. It was just, oh, God, I love it. Well, and it, and it, it really, like, to me, this movie is... This movie is hopefulness. This yeah. movie is like, listen, if you if you know even a Joe Estevez, you can make a movie. Yeah. Maybe you don't know a Joe Estevez, but maybe you can get yourself a Robert Sadar. 
you can make a movie. I find the existence of Meltdown to be fairly inspirational in that way. Oh, yeah. One thing I will say in terms of like reality index, just as a as a pro tip, as we all go forward in life and plan our own individual heists, <laughs> yeah. um, it doesn't matter how cool your sports car is. Do not use a sports car that is a two door if you are mm. going to have additional thugs. <laughs> yeah, that is that is just a clown car scenario. It That's was, all yeah, there were is. there were a couple of moments. There was one moment where like they were tailing the the main character and they had all gotten out and then they'd seen his car go by and they were like mm-hmm. oh we gotta go get him but there are four thugs and they all had to fit into the the car uh-huh. so you had to slowly load everyone in <laughs> while clambering over the backs you know the, the folded mm-hmm. forward front seat and there's yeah one it's not time efficient obviously like no. you want if you're, you're gonna losing be, if precious you're gonna seconds be, there yeah if you're heisting, you want to be able to get in and out fast. And you're not doing it in that case. But two, Absolutely a rule of heisting. You got to get in and out fast. Yeah. But two, you also want to heist with dignity. And yeah. you just cannot have dignity while scrambling over the front seat to get into the back. Yeah. Just, no. It's not there. Either you got to have a convertible where everyone can hop over the sides. Like, that's yeah. fine. If that had been a, you know, a top-down situation and then the, you know, your your henchmen could hop into the back by jumping over kind of Dukes of Hazard style, fine. Yeah. But, and I, like, the car itself was fucking gorgeous and I completely see why that was the car they rented because it looks cool. Totally. But. It's a little picture car. Execution-wise, guys, yeah. don't do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not really going to be the payoff you think it's going to be. Yeah. And, like. I love, so, you know, they, after they shoot the, after they go and the, the first, the the main character's test run is when they, they rob this, like, thrift shop. Right, like right. A, they, they rob a pawn shop, and then Crazy Eddie's like, let's, we, now it's time to party. Yeah, and yeah, then they let's, go, let's fucking, let's fucking party, man. Yeah, and they're gonna go party. So they go and they rob a place that is labeled General Party Store, uh, <laughs> which is efficient. <laughs> and. Perfect! Perfect. What, and all that they rob, though, is a six pack of beer, and then they take all the cash out of the register, and then they shoot the guy. Yeah, and that's when that's Crazy Eddie just like wastes him. Yeah, and our super cop is like, "Why'd you do that?" And Crazy Eddie's like, "Cause I do what I want." And it's like, yeah. "Okay, that's the character." Yeah, and, and which it, again, reality index fully believed. I was on, I was on board with Crazy Eddie being the kind of guy who shoots a man in the chest after he's robbed his store. Yeah. I did not think that six beers counted as a party for that group of four <laughs> Not men. for that group. Not, not for that group. Men. Crazy Eddie alone is is a 12-pack. Yeah, that's a robust man. That's a big man. He's not feeling it till he's down a sixer at the very least. Oh, yeah. Crazy Eddie. Crazy Eddie is did not get his... You gotta get that guy a keg of his own. Yeah, Crazy Eddie did not get that reputation. I mean, who knows? Maybe Crazy Eddie is sober and he was picking up that six-pack for his friends and he doesn't need alcohol to have a crazy time. Maybe this is like the extreme in Twister where Bill is not the extreme. Oh, I mean... And like, this is a misnomer. Maybe Crazy Eddie is called Crazy Eddie because he's the most rational of anybody in the the gang. Yeah, it's irony. Could be irony. I mean, he is definitely... A little bit living up to that reputation. But I just didn't. <laughs> yeah. Crazy Eddie yeah. wasn't the erratic wild card that one would have expected from that name. But I didn't mind that. No. Like I, I was. No, he was pretty composed. Yeah, Crazy Eddie held it together. Even when he was betrayed. Once he realized that the guy he trusted had betrayed him. He just was like, well, that's what we got to do. He needed to take a beat emotionally yeah. and collect himself. It was, a, it was a deep betrayal of this man. But yeah, I was. For the character we love the most. I know. But yeah, it was, I have in my notes somewhere, his office has the, oh, I think it was the FBI director. The FBI director's office had the employee fridge in it. And I really liked that detail. (laughs) Because again, it was one of those things I was like, obviously this is, you know, you got to make do, you make do. But also there is, I do like the world in which the FBI director, like, yeah, he's, thinks he's high up the ranks, but this man's got the employee fridge in his office. Yeah, this this man's got, this man's got, he's the watering hole. This is where everyone comes together. I I mean, if you told me that the FBI director who's in charge of this, instead of it being his office, he had just put his desk into like the break room because he decided he needed his own space. (laughs) Yes. That was the vibe of the man. And so I I liked that detail. Another detail I loved was uh, Dragon, how he got his name or if he got this because of his name, but... The full body back tattoo we see on Dragon. 
was a yeah. surprising reveal given everything else about that man's aesthetic. Yeah, it didn't go with the it didn't go with the rest of the package. Yeah, again, the man when we meet him is in golf clothes. <laughs> and he has a full yeah. on dragon tattoo on his back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it worked for me, but what a touch! Yeah, what a touch! Yeah, and it was yeah, it was it was dedication. Appreciated that, but I was I was bewildered and delighted by it. And that's that's really like that's the capsule review of this film. It's like bewildered and delighted. Yeah. I I mean, there's just like everything in this like on my notes is basically just me having bullet points of things. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, this is one of those movies that like it would this would get like a this would get like a vinegar syndrome remastering like this would be like a deepest of deep cuts. Vinegar syndrome would be like, you guys, we got the original print. We're putting it in 2K. There's gonna be a director's commentary. Like, and just like, because this is like alleyway cinema. I, uh, that, yeah, that there's a, that world is not far from the one we currently live in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody could, uh, somebody could, (laughs) yes, I could see someone like ironically, but not ironically making the argument for that. I think it would be a tenuous one. I did. Yeah. It would be thin. It would be thin. But like, listen, on the sliding scale of the room up to like, you know, the greatest movies ever made. (laughs) I don't know. We're kind of in the middle of that seesaw. And I feel like, like they had breakaway tables for fight sequences. They tried. They did. A movie like this is kind of like, in its more polished form, like, this is the exact kind of movie I want to make, like, as a producer. Like, looking at this is like, yeah, this is like, this is like the rough sketch, like, just the rough sketch on paper of like, yeah, this is a kind of, like, crime movie I want to make. This is the kind of movie that I want to see. So, like, I respect and appreciate that this guy and his buddies, it seems like, just, like, made the exact kind of movie I feel like they want to watch. Yeah. Like this this guy, this writer, director, composer, star was like I'm I'm bound and determined and I'm doing this. That's fucking awesome. It's amazing. He did it. He had death by throwing knife at one point. Like <laughs> yeah. the man gave himself everything he could possibly want in this movie. He gave himself his action star moment and Mm-hmm. Whether or not... Yeah, he gave it to himself. Yeah, whether or not he was an action star quality, whether or not yeah. anything about this movie made sense, whether or not it worked, does not matter because he... <laughs> whether fucking, or not it worked? Yeah, he did it. He gave himself a fight sequence against a henchwoman and he let himself win. He killed someone <laughs> with a throwing knife. There was a feminist climax by letting the FBI lady throw the final punch to the FBI director to knock him out. I'm saying. It was, this was a movie that, I don't want to say it took swings, because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say there are any risks taken in this film. No, I wouldn't. No, this is, it's very, it's meat and potatoes. It's meat and potatoes stuff. And that's, but it worked. It worked in its own little weird way. And it is, again, I, I can't fault any movie where every henchman could be called my dad's friend Jeff or just Steve. Totally. A lot of Jeffs in this field. So, like. many, so many Jeffs. So many Steves. Mm-hmm. And it... A, probably plenty of Ricks. Yeah, and I, for a movie that could have also, like, from the feminist standpoint, there could have been a lot. Like, we had... There were these moments of, like, begrudging sexiness. Like, there's a great sequence <laughs> yeah. where... They're in a party van. Like, the henchwoman is in a party van with, I think, Dragon. And they're discussing mm-hmm. what is happening and, like, discussing the next steps. And there's no discernible reason for them to be in a party van. There is a stripper. <laughs> there's a stripper on a stripper pole. And, like, we get her dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a prolonged sequence of her dancing. But then we just kind of move on. And it reminded me a lot of, like, in Piranha 3D, where there were, mm. begr- like, well, we got to show you nipples. But that's not why yeah. we're here. This movie didn't even do that. And I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. that it was sexless, but in a, like, good way. That we didn't... Yeah, no, in a way that it... 
really needed yeah. to be. Yeah, like there was no sexual peril for FBI agent lady. No. Which no. was great. And I can't trust that this movie would have handled that like I would have wanted it to be handled. They would not have. So and, and good job to not even do that at and all. most other movies that, and quote unquote better movies, have done that and handled it poorly. So I mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. there was a degree to which, like the fact that there, you had the sexy lady sitting on top of Crazy Eddie's piano. And yeah, that was as sexy as we got. Or like sometimes they're just hanging around, <laughs> and like sometimes you just like they'd bend over in front of the camera, and you're just like, "Well, that's an ass with jeans on them." Yeah, but it's sure enough. But it was like there was a a surprising sexless kind of sweetness to it in terms of the approach to the women that I re- the fact that like he and his love interest just hug, they hug goodbye. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's so they're, true. I don't even know if they like ever have a climactic kiss. And I wasn't really looking for them to have one. So I, for one, am grateful. Right. I mean, like, I don't think anybody was looking to see any of those people kissing. And I was thrilled that we didn't have to. And it was like, hey, you know what? It's really nice that Christopher wasn't like, "Ah, I could write myself a sex scene. I could write. Yeah, I could write this for myself. And he didn't. And he chose not to. And I think, like, that's actually kind of cool. I do, too. He just was like, I just want to. Especially in the 2000s. A lawless, terrible time. Like. In the era of Megan Fox being forced to just like hump things indiscriminately in Transformers, <laughs> I know. You, I mean, like, I, oh, I, my I mean, I love, I love Transformers, and I love Megan Fox. I think that you would agree that, yes, like, I, Amanda loves Transformers. Amanda now, you loves. Guys. Tra- if you guys have missed it, I watched all of the Transformers these, over the course of a week, and it just like changed my life. Do these count as disaster movies? Transformers. Yeah, um, I think an argument could be made for it. We did do Pacific Rim, which has, you know, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, they do, I guess, technically count. We can, if, if okay. someone, if we found a guest who wanted to come in and discuss the Transformers films, I'm, I yes. would 100% be thrilled to do it. I also personally, like I said this the other day, you could take the Transformer, the actual Transformers out of the movie and it would still, they would uh-huh. all still work for me. Because, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. to me, yeah, this... Yeah. The first two movies are about the sexual degradation of Sam Witwicky and his slow descent into madness. Thank God. And I'm just like, I, 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 they would work if you told me like, oh no, he's actually imagining the Transformers. But then by the time that we get to uh, last night and then there's the clock that killed Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I'm, I, I, Jordan, I know Bumblebee, like now to fully just go off, but we haven't had a chance to talk about this. I know Bumblebee, you love Bumblebee. It was my least favorite. I love Bumblebee. Really? Uh-huh. I mean, it is, it's the, it's, it does not feel right. like what Transformers feels like. It feels like a separate robot, but it's a completely different exactly. mood. It's a completely different tone. So like, I I, I get where you're yeah, coming from It was that. like, for the kind of movie it was, it was fine. And obviously like Haley mm-hmm. Steinfeld is a star. And I would oh watch Haley Steinfeld affectionately nuzzle a car any day, like, how fucking she's adorable. great in it and she's charming and whatever every time bumblebee made his little sad face i teared I know, up Bumble, like those are those are living eyes bumblebee's like weird little ear things his little ear <laughs> spots <laughs> yeah so here's my thing and i realized mm-hmm. this is the metaphor i wanted to use i realized that on my walk the other day when i was like what is it about transport like about bumblebee oh that isn't fuck. working for me and it finally mm-hmm. settled on i you can get a you can on the East Coast in the summer. You can get a McLobster roll at McDonald's. You what? can get a lobster roll at McDonald's. Yes, that is a like regional Whoa. seasonal thing. I don't know if they still do it, but they definitely did it like when I was a kid at camp and stuff. And fuck, my feeling on that is yes, you can get a lobster roll from McDonald's, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't like they're not going to be the best suited to do that, and it isn't much more expensive to go get. A better one yeah from somewhere that isn't mcdonald's and likewise <laughs> that makes sense i'm not going to transformers to get a lobster roll i can go that's to fair. another movie to get a lobster yeah. roll that's fair if i want to watch a horse school movie i mean like i could watch pompeii <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but like it's true like, the touching coming of age film that it is and it is a touching mm-hmm. coming of age film it is is not one i need from the transformers series i don't need grounded That's totally re- fair. i don't need or want grounded reality from transformers mm-hmm. i want the clock that killed hitler 
that's what I'm I can't argue I'm with coming that. to McDonald's to get four McNugget shapes that are somehow pre-made <laughs> McNugget shapes like, it's not right that McNuggets have set shapes but that's what I want from a McNugget. <laughs> and likewise, when I'm going to Transformers, I'm just not looking. I'm not going to get a salad bowl at Transformers. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to ask, how do you, like, because to me, and obviously I'm a stan, yeah. to me, the amount of moxie that Megan Fox brings to Michaela. Yes. When you know it wasn't on the page. When you fucking know yeah. it wasn't on the page. That's one hell of a performance she, she is, is giving, giving in those two she movies. She is giving so much in those two movies that are not there. And you can tell they're not there because she is subsequently replaced in the following two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time we get to Nicola Peltz, who I truly did not realize that was Nicola Peltz, Nicola Peltz Beckham. Yeah. yeah. Didn't realize it. Forgot her face as soon as she was off the screen. At one point in uh, last night, a blonde woman showed up and I was like, is that just Nicola Peltz again? <laughs> um, because I was so easily confused by the whole process. Um, yeah. No, like you can see after with the absence of Michaela, you yeah. can see how much Megan Fox brought to it because of how little is being brought in subsequent films fucking broad yeah no she is so but when she takes over the tow truck and bumblebee is on the back and she's like i'll drive you shoot that is that is as vice victus would say action-packed white girl that is gold megan fox chose in those movies to do more than she had to yeah. And I like I have full respect for it. I, she's she is charming and great. The only thing I don't buy is I don't buy a world in which she and Sam Witwicky work or that like no or that he's going off to college and she and like that he would somehow miss any chance to, you know, video chat with her and see her boobs. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just the story of men? Right. Though? I mean, that's yes. Being like, well, I guess that was just a season of my life. And we're like, you're a fucking dork. Yeah, I mean. Uh, She's Megan Fox, you idiot tool. I currently have like a, a girlfriend who's basically just getting the <clears throat> runaround from a guy. And she's like, does he not understand how tremendously? Because she's gorgeous and hot. And yeah, he sure. is. Good. I've, I met him the same day she did. And he is adequate. She should s- shut off all communication. I this is well, it. We're getting there, but like the point being, like, <laughs> yes, in, have like yes in the reality of the world, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Reality index of yeah. the world, yes. Sam yes. should be so lucky. Sam should Groveling. be the guy who is calling Groveling. his girlfriend every ten minutes to make sure she has mm-hmm. not found somebody else. Yes, hundred percent. Sam should be, living and it would be in, obnoxious mm-hmm. and untenable. But you couldn't blame yeah, the guy. Yeah, he she, he should be living in terror, and his like sweet yep. mates should also be like in terror for him. Of like, bro, yeah, like they should not be encouraging him to go to a frat party where a Decepticon puts her t- tongue down her throat. Like, no, no, they they should be like, you will literally never do better in your entire life. I don't even know why you went to college. Yeah. She's she's right there. You 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 maxed out, man. <laughs> But yeah, so that's Transformers for us. Well, look, I mean, we weren't going to talk particularly extensively about Meltdown beyond just like wanting to highlight the yeah. spectacularness of certain parts of it and like the go-getterness of the, <laughs> yes. of, of its existence. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that, you know, this kind of brings us to... Uh, Jordan, did you have a what this movie was really about for Meltdown? No, not at all. Yeah, I thought that this was a, a real... Meltdown is a movie about how you can put do anything if you put your mind to it. Whether, <laughs> yeah, truly. Whether that's being a drug kingpin in your 60s, um, you know, and having most of your clients and most of your employees be just, like, guys that you know from the local gym. Yeah. Um, to, you know, making a movie because mm-hmm. you want to. Because or you want to. going deep cover and still carrying on a romance with an FBI officer agent. Yeah. Like, this is a movie about following your dreams and making them a reality. I would say, yeah, that's, that's the best thing I could say about it. Yeah, yeah. I would not fantasy cast anything. Um, I would definitely add a fantasy editor because I think that, like, <laughs> yeah. 
honestly, I think 80% of the th- problems with this movie for me in terms of like pacing and a lot of the what makes this movie feel amateurish to me could have been solved by a better editor who could have gotten like you've heard of the have you heard of the millennial pause, Jordan? Yes. Yes. Every single one of these guys when they're speaking or delivering a line seems to have a millennial pause before they do it. <laughs> and a good editor could have fixed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and made it feel a little snappier and moving a little bit quicker. Um, but otherwise, no. Like, I, I'm i full res- I'm like, I'm bummed looking at, when I look at the IMDb list, I'm like, you know what? I wanted, I wanted a sequel. I wanted you guys to just keep going with it. I wanted, I mm-hmm. wanted more for this, for all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was a little bummed about that. <laughs> Even as I was like, yeah, there are probably people who, like, if you want to talk about, like, deserve to make a movie more, like, eh maybe but this guy did it this guy did it this guy fucking I'm not taking that away from him no and so it's like why couldn't we get more from him even if it wasn't good yeah exactly even if it was fine even if it was the mediocre like give us more (laughs) um but speaking of giving us more Jordan thrilled to announce that as of our recording today yes you know what comes back tonight the the baddest the show on TV. Uh, maybe the best. I mean, look, they advertised it during Poker Face on Peacock. So I have to assume you only hey. pair prestige with prestige. That is right. And only one of those two shows. I mean, Ryan, I love you, but only one of those two shows is airing on network. It's true. And that is the underappreciated, undervalued. The singular. The one of a kind. Mm-hmm. The tremendous. The one that makes me question everything about my existence and yours. Absolutely. The one that makes me say, am I in my right timeline? No. Who knows? La Brea is going to teach us. And we get La Brea back this week. La Brea has a lot more to teach us and it's coming back. So next week's episode will be a return to La Brea with uh, the next two episodes, which both air tonight. So they should both be up on streaming. And that is what we'll be watching next week. Thank God La Brea is back. So part of the reason this episode's a little short and a little bit all over the place is because we've been having some internet issues on one of our ends. So, uh, uh, and that's Jordan's end. So Jordan's not, Jordan's frozen at the moment. So I'm just going to take us out here. Obviously La Brea, you can get that uh, on NBC or on Peacock. But um, in the meantime, you can find Jordan. She's Jor Crew. She has the whole movie botcast. Uh, Feeling Scene podcast, Ots Tyrion. I think they just wrapped up their newest season or they might have more. I don't actually know, but Ots Tyrion is going strong. Uh, recently covered Megan. And uh, I am, of course, Amanda Smith says on Twitter. And then we are disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. We have merch. I have mentioned this before. It is fucking great, guys. I mean, I am. I wear the hoodie pretty much every day now. I wore my beanie the other day. I might be the only person wearing our merch, and I love it. Um, But yeah, so we've got great merch. We've got more stuff coming soon. Um, And then, oh, uh, we also will, I'll save this for when Jordan's back, but we did get some new reviews. So thank you guys for writing those ratings and reviews. We've gotten a couple emails. Those have been awesome. Keep reaching out to us. We love it. Um, Definitely please keep doing ratings and reviews for us. We will read the new ones next week. Um, But in the meantime, we'll see y'all back next week for La Brea. Bye, guys.